Good morning. Welcome to Friday's edition of Reading the Register with Pete. I'm Pete Myers. It's a crisp fall day here in the metro. Makes me want to strap on a hoodie and watch some football. My old high school actually is in the metro, uh, traveling from out of town uh, to play a local school here. So maybe I'll touch some touch grass tonight and check that out. It's not that far from uh, from my home. We, of course, are going to look today at last night's debates, which were bad. I mean, it was, if you saw it, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, one debate, they ran the debates at the same exact time, by the way, also it, uh, directly against uh, the NFL, which I guess you can watch on Amazon Prime now. So they don't really want people to watch that or anything, but they they had uh, dueling abates, debates, one between uh, Africa, Mike Franken, and Chuck Grassley, and then uh, a local one relating to the Polk County region between uh, neocon Zach Nunn and member of the neoliberal establishment, Sidney Axney. And they were as disastrous as you would... Uh, anticipate uh, giving those those four folks a platform. It was that what was remarkable actually was uh, how much I found they had in common. And we'll dive in into that during the episode here. Uh, we had them talking a little nuclear war. That's when the debate really got awkward with uh, Mike and Chuck. Sydney and Axne, or I'm sorry, Axne and Nunn were basically sparring over who was more right wing and who uh, advances more GOP policies than the other. The register opinion section gave a platform to a specific reactionary member of the uh, Iowa House that uh, wrote something about the gubernatorial candidate, candidate uh, Deidre DeGere, that reminded me of the Colin Kaepernick era and some of the criticisms he faced for, uh, you know, making a mild form of protest. And we'll kind of dive into some things he's written in the past and in the moment and to some of the ideas that the register feels are necessary to platform. Now, other funny story, not funny at all. I'm sorry. That's a bad word. The Mississippi is so low, they're having trouble uh, floating barges north and south that carry food. We're going to read a story uh, from our friends at WHO about that. Let's get into it. October 7th, reading the register with Pete. Let's go. Debates, of course, which are dem dominating headlines in the register. We'll start with, uh, hey, I did a bit for this segment, too. I hope it's funny. But we'll start with uh, Sydney and Zach arguing about Iowa's third congressional district. Now, if you listened yesterday, I had some jokes about what I would actually ask these two if I were the moderator. 
And uh, we actually got an answer to one of the, uh, the questions I posed yesterday, and we'll get to that. Wanted to go over the register's coverage of both of the, the debates was solid. You know, they pulled the obvious direct quotes. They, uh, it was notable what they left out as far as what was discussed. But uh, Zach and Sydney obviously began with uh, the abortion debate where they have uh, dramatically different stances. But the thing about this debate format is it allows both of them to conflate the position of their opponent into something that the opponent during their turn will then deny and call the accuser a liar. And then they go back and forth in that same exact format. So it really uh, makes it convoluted as far as what the position of each candidate actually is. Now it's no mystery that, uh, you know, none is pulling straight from the GOP playbook and is an anti-abortion guy. It actually is a uh, middle-of-the-road Democrat who supports uh, codifying Roe v. Wade. And they, they argued back and forth about that. Axne went to, you know, you don't understand what it is to be a mother, and it got kind of ugly back and forth. But, I mean, anybody that is paying attention to politics in Iowa know, knows the stance of each of them on that wedge issue. But, uh, like I said, the format allows both of them to confuse the viewers and to the point where you don't really know where each of them stand on the position because uh, most of the time is dominated by them calling each other a liar. That theme continued when they started debating inflation, which is at a record uh, 30-year record high right now, around 9%. They both uh, took turns blaming each other. Zach obviously bl- blamed the, uh, the Biden administration. Axne touted uh, these Inflation Reduction Act measures that uh, apparently improved healthcare, climate, and tax policy. We'll see. Uh, Zach kept hammering her on that one uh, regarding, you know, knowing the pain of the working class relating to grocery prices and gas prices and whatnot. It was, it was also poignant that they both opened the debate by arguing who is more bipartisan. And that was a theme in the Franken and uh, not so much, but Franken has made it a theme of his campaign, but both Axne and Nunn took the opportunity multiple times to argue that uh, they are the best at forwarding the agenda of the GOP. For example, Sydney, despite claiming that her opponent and the Republicans are the most evil threat to uh, the country and they're going to take away everyone's rights, uh, uses her, you know, the, the first opportunity to say that she champions bipartisan legislation that's approved by, you know, 85% of the bills that she's forwarded, the Republicans have liked. I'm not sure if that's a good thing, Sydney, in, in this climate right now, but they both hammer on that, aiming to court these moderate, in the moderators play to this. They both later in the debate, the moderators asked both candidates what they do to appeal to these moderate Dems that might swing Republican and these moderate Republicans that might swing Dem. Uh, call me crazy, but the Democrats ran on that exact strategy in the state in, in 14, 16, 18, and 20, and were unsuccessful. So they're both looking for these uh, middle-of-the-road 
you know, Sydney took the time to wave high independence and whatnot, uh, the idea that there's these uh, unspoken to voters who used to be party demigods who are willing to switch, ignoring the obvious statistics that indicate the largest voting block in Iowa is people that don't vote, who are obviously not inspired or motivated to vote for you. Uh, I mean, either the GOP ticket or Sydney Axney, either of the last uh, two times that she's ran. Zach kept, I was just humored by this. It was such nonsense. But I mean, Zach kept hammering Sydney on the fact that she was on like vacation in the French Riviera or something. Uh, during a vote that she, you know, did participate in, but she cast by proxy and took advantage of the COVID policies to do so, which, you know, whatever. Uh, it came up at least a half dozen times. At one point, Sydney spent like half of her speaking time on an unrelated question uh, to address Zach's repeated hits that she's an elitist that was spending time in France instead of taking care of the the constituents. But they spent a lot of time talking about that. Sydney kept saying she doesn't apologize for spending time with her family, which is, of course, is great. And not all of the uh, the people in her district, of course, can afford to spend three weeks in the French Riviera or wherever she was. So they went on to talk. Uh, one thing that they they or I guess two things that they agreed upon uh, entirely. Uh, was war, I mean, or <laughs> threatening geopolitical rivals of the United States. Uh, they both had the identical position on Ukraine and Russia. Zach kept bringing up, and now Zach during the course of the debate claimed on, on different occasions to have had direct combat experience confronting the PLA Air Force of China and the uh, the Russian Federation's Air Force. Uh, from what I understand, Zach was not a F-16 pilot, nor have there been any serious international incidents like that. If there had been, I hope I hope the public would know about it. But yeah, Zach seemed to be overinflating some of his uh, his military heroics at multiple times. I brought up yesterday uh, if I had the opportunity to ask. Mr. Nunn, a debate question, I would ask him uh, something pertaining to a war, and I guess he, he claimed earlier that he has direct combat experience against this uh, particular foe, and I was able to ask him a debate question. Let's roll the clip. Not if it was up to you, which country would you nuke first, Russia or China? is China. Both in its theft of intellectual property, when I worked under the Obama administration on the National Security Council, we made it a top priority. When I was deployed as a leader with the U.S. Air Force under the Trump administration, we stood up to China and we faced them down. Look, one of our best allies in the region are Japan and South Korea, but apparently this administration calls North Korea our best ally. And that brings us to another border crisis that's happening as a result of China. As we highlighted earlier, Tons of fentanyl, a synthetic drug, are being produced in China and imported into the United States illegally through our southern border. It's not only a humanitarian crisis, it's a national security crisis. Until the United States has the ability to stand with our allies like Taiwan, South Korea, and Japan to be able to contain China, they continue to outfox us. 
But more importantly, this administration has done nothing to be able to deter China's violent actions, both in weapons buildup and its uh, use of slave labor through the Uyghurs, a minority group within China, and its export of deadly fentanyl to our high schools. Mr. Zach. What about you, Sydney? Which country would you nuke first? Yeah, well, the foreign threat, I would say China. Overall, cybersecurity in general is something that our country needs to address, and I've been talking about that since I was up on the stage in my first primary. Uh, but China is absolutely a th the threat. Uh, whether they are stealing, uh, you know, our proprietary information, our intellectual property, uh, or whether they are, are threatening our allies and, you know, our need to step up and support Taiwan and Beijing, We've got to make sure that we're watching out for, for their actions. Unfortunately, my opponent over here has taken money from a company that's owned by Chinese state, so it's backed by the Chinese military. But not only did that, he did that, he supported a tax break, a tax credit, that ended up sending jobs out of Iowa because it was a tax break, and it gave those jobs to China. But when he couldn't make that vote, again, he couldn't make a vote, um, he actually put together a resolution uh, that was signed by no other s senators because it was so egregious. It's a love letter to China. And in the end, he asked for it to be sent to the general consulate in Chicago. You don't do that unless you want them to know what you think. I'd which like is to have 30 seconds. If we're going to go 30 seconds over. Uh, Mrs. So there you have it. Got my question answered, obviously. It's... Uh, Still fairly unclear, though, which one of them hates China more or which one is in love with China, because they both have accused each other of uh, being in bed with uh, the CPC. So that, that's not clear. They're both obviously extremely hawkish, kind of scary, but uh, they've both used this strategy in uh, their campaign messaging, which I would compare to Yellow Peril. If you're not familiar, it's essentially, a, I guess, a centuries-old kind of racist philosophy about the evil Chinese uh, being a general threat to Western civilization. And they both actually uh, touched on one of the main stereotypes about, uh, you know, them being thieves and whatnot. It's actually racist or xenophobic at, war at best. It's racist at worst. But um, you wish they wouldn't do that, and it makes both of them, you know, kind of people you don't want to vote for, especially with global tensions as the way they are, uh, two notorious or two anti-China hawks are what our options are. The whole thing was real ugly. Uh, they hit them with some rapid fire questions at the end, with, which were all softball. They agreed on a lot. Uh, they deferred on student loan relief where uh, Sydney supported certain uh, provisions of it, uh, which was a mild milquetoast reform by the Biden administration, by the way, nothing that he actually uh, promised during his campaign. And then and Zach gave the old crabs in a bucket response uh, regarding, you know, what about the people that have already paid? They should, they have to suffer now, whatnot. And Grassley, we'll use that as a uh, segue to the Grassley-Franken debate. Uh, since I, I really can't think of anything other pertinent, Axony and Zun and Nun are, are what they are. They are what we thought they were. Grassley and uh, Franken went over a lot of the same issues. Notably, abortion, where, I mean, again, 
how long has Grassley been a senator here? We've had him for longer than I've been alive. And his position is very clear on that he's obviously an anti-abortion candidate. Franken is campaigning as the hope, the liberal hope for women's health care rights, but didn't really give a, uh, he kind of, his answer, it reminds me of something someone would say that's still trying to court, like the libertarian vote, I guess, or maybe these, these middle of the road Republicans who are fed up with Trump and Grassley and J6 and whatever, where he, uh, gave an answer where he said he supports codifying it, which you'd hope to hear if you're a liberal voter, but said it shouldn't be a government decision, which, you know, you could, you know, fair enough. There's, there's viable arguments on other, either side of that coin. However, the government, obviously, especially the right wing of our government that holds power in our state is obviously gaining and gathering political power to use the force of the state to prevent women from getting a specific healthcare procedure. And they're using it to score political points. Um, so it, I don't know, Franken seems a little bit, I don't know. That, that's just not, he, he's not giving a strong answer on it anyways, where, you know, Grassley has the bad position, obviously, but Franken gives us nothing that we can, uh, can work on if, if work with at all, other than, uh, you know, you're kind of a status quo right wing answer is like, keep the government out of my home. But uh, that doesn't work right now because they're using the power of the government to attack uh, the womb of half of our population. So they fought over inflation. Grassley rolled out the same script about the Democrats writing blank checks to everybody. The same guy that uh, fully approved sending tens of billions of dollars to Ukraine over the last eight, 10 months here. Um, being a uh, favored candidate of the, the liberal donor class, Mike, of course, had to hit Grassley on, on January 6th kind of uh, insinuating that Grassley was in on the plot to uh, overthrow the government, apparently. Um, kind of wild. And then, of course, they brought up the allegation that we covered in depth yesterday. The moderator didn't bring up the other two anonymous sources that Liz cited in her political article. However, that didn't stop Africa Mike from once again throwing his uh, former campaign manager under the, under the bus and labeling her as a uh, conservative Grassley plant sent to undermine his campaign. And then what Grassley said by responding that way was he, you know, he treated Chuck like he was uh, coaching a kid in eight-year-old T-ball. You know, you put the baseball right there on the tee, give the kid a big fat aluminum bat and, let him swing away. He's going to make some good contact. He just, he teed him up to be right. And, and they always do this with the, or Mike has made a habit of this throughout the, the uh, campaign and debate here where he sets Chuck up with an easy answer. Where 
who is a longtime de- Democratic Party operative, is in with the Grassley campaign. So Chuck just simply takes five seconds to respond is that that allegation didn't come from my campaign. It came from inside your own house. And he was right. The debate got real weird with uh, Chuck and Mike when the topic of nuclear war came up. I'm going to start this. Right when topic come or Grassley gets asked a question about Ukraine and by the end of his time essentially wraps it to things that Franken had said previously about committing NATO troops to a neutral country to fight back Russia and goes on the attack in the last 10 seconds. And then we're going to give Mike the full form here as far as, uh, the topic of nuclear, how do you pronounce that word? I used to get my chops busted all the time because I pronounce it like Bush or something. Nuclear. It's like all one word, nuclear. So that topic comes up and then Mike goes uh, to some crazy spaces. Listen. Opponent has said that we should put, uh, if there's a nuclear attack on the part of, uh, of Putin, that we should put American troops in Ukraine. I don't believe American troops should go to Ukraine. Mike Franken, Vladimir Putin has threatened nuclear warfare involved in this conflict. What happens next for America if that were to occur? Sure. So Vladimir Putin, Vlad the Impaler, whose flag is prominently displayed on Republican leadership logos, whose lapdog, Orban, is the where the Republican leadership goes for meetings. Uh, he's the guy that uh, the previous president uh, definitely kowtowed to for some interesting reasons. What you get with me is a clear, clear-eyed, long view of the world. And, Ch- and, and Vlad is not finished in Ukraine. Now, yes, I agree with the senator. We were late in, to, to need in, in uh, Ukraine. I didn't think he was going to do this, this invasion. Uh, other people were, were more right than me on this issue, but two months out was a little too late to provide necessary capabilities for the Ukrainians to defend their border. Uh, now that the, the war is in a hot war situation, we need to realize that, with, that anything short of pushing the Russian soldiers across that border will involve a yet another chapter of Russia extending the great uh, great white Russia into the neighboring countries. We need to be very careful here. And regarding putting American troops in a combat zone, no one knows more about this than perhaps me, having spent more years in a combat theater in command than I think all of the Republicans in the U.S. Senate combined. Uh, So, um, I said aid workers to help with the terrible burn victims as a result of a nuclear weapon. Uh, American workers, yes, the international workers, like-minded countries, because this will be a declaration of, of, uh, of risk that this country has not seen since the 60s. Soldiers? Military? Well, some will be soldiers, but it doesn't mean they have to be armed. I mean, this is their expertise. They're called CBR soldiers. This is what they do. They're kitted to do this. You can't really do it without soldiers because they've got the kit to do it, do it, uh, do the necessary work.
I think it would be very dangerous to send people, uh, uh, soldiers in without weapons so that they could protect themselves. If you're going to be a broad-shouldered nation in the world, if you want to be a leadership nation, then you've got to take those risks. Um, that's why we join the military. We take the military. We swear the oath. I will support and defend the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. All right, Admiral. You're cut off. So if you're listening intently there, uh, that's the second time I've listened, or I'm probably the third time I've listened to it. So it's, Franken is all over the place, and he sets up Chuck with a nice uh, meaty fastball down the plate to counter, wow, that sounds pretty dumb, sending soldiers in without weapons. And then Mike says, well, you know, sometimes war is risky. Again, he's all over the place. Um I'm not sure what what he's talking about as far as sending aid workers in to treat victims of nuclear war, or he's referring to that as if it's a past incident. Also concerning that he referred to the war as something that you respond to after the fact and not what it is in reality. And no, I mean, the guy probably graduated from a naval, he had to have graduated from a naval college at some point. He's familiar with mad principles and whatnot of nuclear war having no winners. So bizarre that he's out there on national television uh, speaking about things of such dire consequences so frivolously, especially after claiming in that very dialogue that no one knows more about this than him. Uh Spent some time, of course, he got to diss Vlad, Vlad the Impaler. He demonstrated kind of the strange, he made a strange reference to white Russia, which I'm not quite positive what he's talking about. I'm not a Russian history expert, but during the Russian Revolution, I know the militarized force that supported the Tsarists against the communists were called the uh, the whites or the white army, and they fought the red army and whatnot, and, what, and like these conflicts went on for years in the revolution that was ultimately won by the communists and the red army strange reference there i'm not sure if he thinks putin is still is a communist or russia is still communist or comparing putin to a czar i guess which would kind of make sense he's kind of a fucking right-wing oligarchal asshole but um concerning uh that this guy looks like he's trying to join the I guess the CNN class even he there, he doesn't really lose this race even if he gets swamped at the ballot box because he's trying to join the uh, the the class of liberal that goes on CNN and advocates for the military industrial complex and ramping up wars all over the globe. So that was a very strange moment where he was uh, all over the place and then capping it off with the idea that um, we have to push Russia back from their borders by committing NATO forces to a neutral country that aren't armed. And that's what he said. You heard it. Sounds like an expert to you. Uh, does that sound like an expert to you guys? Or predatory toward women. Had a nice handshake. One thing I forgot to mention in the uh, Axony Nunn debate is they did bring up the uh, insider trading allegations, and Cindy doubled down on the uh, on her position that she had already been absolved by that by a bar, bipartisan committee. 
she made a uh, contradicting statement during that segment where she claimed to support laws that she's in charge of writing, mind you, that would prohibit members of Congress from uh, trading and buying stocks. Smash cut to three minutes later. She's saying that uh, she's never going to tell anybody that uh, even herself and her, her own family that they can't own or have IRAs and college savings accounts. Now that obscures a little bit of reality. One of the excuses Sydney offers regarding uh, the trade she made while investigating Wells Fargo for fraud was that she's not ask, actually in charge of, of uh, her, her trades, which is probably true. She has a financial advisor or some type of broker that, uh, you know, does an interview and an evaluation with her, determines her risk, and then makes trades in her portfolio reflecting her risk tolerance. That's how, I think that's how the law works. Uh, saying something like that indicates that she is vested in uh, what are called variable IRAs. Now, IRAs are, uh, like Sydney said, they're retirement accounts that are funded with what's called qualified money or pre-tax money, which is money you could take out of your paycheck and directly invest into a savings account that you're not taxed on, that you could write off on your taxes. The idea being when you're like, it's, uh, I think the law is like 59 and a half. You could start drawing out on the account and you pay taxes on it on the back end. Now, city reference owning those type of things and having a IRA that's variable and not a fixed, a set interest rate, it's actually vested in the market and large amounts of her portfolio are vested in, uh, in certain banking stocks that she's also tasked with investigating for fraud which is definitely a conflict of interest. So it is, like I said yesterday, it is what it is. It exists and it's legal and she does it, but uh, she's unfortunately for her left in this position where she's at her heels uh, defending herself from something that she clearly and obviously does, but is able to hand wave just because it's, uh, it's not necessarily illegal. Enough of the debates. Those are entertaining and thank God they're only having one a piece uh, there's the governor debate coming up, but yeah, that was not, uh, not pretty. The governor's race, uh, involving, uh, uh, DJ and Kim Reynolds is heating up in, in terms of television ads and the Democrats are rolling around, uh, spending money on TV ads. Kim Reynolds ad that came out this week is reminds me of the uh, Colin Kaepernick debate from what was that six years ago now where there was a moment before the uh, I'm sorry, but in January of this year during like the, our version of the state of the union where Reynolds goes up there and talks about how great we're doing uh, took a moment during that speech to praise law enforcement. And then our, legislature, which is heavily pro-law enforcement, gave a standing ovation to certain remarks. And then DeGere, who was there as a guest, not even as a rep, uh, was filmed sitting down and not uh, 
not uh, supporting Reynolds' comments about law enforcement. So Reynolds has spun that months later into an ad about that being proof that DeGere is actually secretly a defund the police activist that's uh, trying to set the lawless hordes loose in our cities and whatnot. You know, the, the typical GOP talking points are there. They're all using it against each other. So it's even hard to say that's just a Republican thing now uh, because the Axne campaign is using it against none. So you can't even, you know, you can't make this shit up anymore. So Reynolds runs this ad tying uh, DeGere to a uh, anti-law enforcement person because she took a seat. Uh, that's reminiscent of criticism of Kaepernick for taking an extremely uh, symbolic and performative action of protest that hurts absolutely nobody. And then it being capitalized on by the same people who hate any type, any form of protest. Uh, ranging from property destruction to blocking traffic to anything. Uh, people that support the status quo will, will find a way to take a shit on your protest, no matter how, uh, how, uh, you know, how meek and milquetoast it is, even if it's just uh, I'm not standing up and applauding the Iowa Police Department, and she has good reason not to do that. DeGere, for her part, has tried to counter the ad uh, by saying that mental health is one of the top issues facing law enforcement and said that inadequate services for people facing mental health issues are placing more of a burden and strain on law enforcement's time and budgets. She said that uh, because in reference to sitting down, she wants them to be better, or Kim to be better and not just give lip service, which makes perfect sense. And uh, went, to, went on to say that uh, everyone that knows her knows that she supports law enforcement. So again, another example, another uh, local race here where a person running a, a, on the liberal ticket is being accused of supporting a position that they don't. And then uh, because they reject that position, they're forced to spend all this time defending themselves against the, uh, uh, an allegation that's false in the first place. So it's hilarious. It was disappointing, though, that during the Sydney-Zach debacle, the moderators didn't bring up uh, the police department or law enforcement once, despite both of them devoting hundreds of thousands of dollars into uh, advertisements that... Uh, make false allegations against each other about what their, what their positions are on that, uh, on that topic. So it's bizarre. It's been happening for well over a year now. It was easy to see coming, but it's sad to, that they uh, weren't able to come up with a better counter than no, I don't. I actually uh, agree with you. The register for their part helps platform this myth. And they did so today in session. Uh, you know, whatever, right? Speak your piece, speak your shit, you know, whatever. I don't think anybody should be canceled for having an, a, this particular opinion. However, the Register consistently editorials from their board claiming to be an organization that promotes, you know, advocacy for progression and justice. Yet, uh, during times like these, <laughs> they're uh, platforming people like, Stephen Holt from Denison, who's a, I use the word notorious a lot, but he's a, uh, he's a reactionary from out in Denison, who's on the record with some pretty heinous things, uh, as is his wife. And uh, not reading his letter here, 
but he responded to allegations that Reynolds was race baiting in her political ads, which are true, and uh, took the opportunity to draw attention to uh, Deidre's sit down during this state of the state of the state address or whatever and then made the assumption that that means she is anti-law enforcement and also assumes that because Iowa CCI advocates for defunding the police and they endorse DeGier that DeGier is secretly anti-law enforcement so that's the first uh, seven paragraph uh, editorial in the opinion section today Holt, if you remember, is uh, married to a teacher out there who was suspended for using racial slurs in the classroom, drew community outrage. She was reinstated. He was a uh, big advocate for the legislation they passed last year, which encourages and enables people to run over protesters they don't like. And look at this in the uh, Iowa Torch from June of 2020. So in the heat of the moment, uh, Mr. Holt had some opinions that he shared. And let's look back at them here. Give me one second. Cool, I guess. Guys, right-wingers, write whatever you want. Um He uses some pretty uh, classic tropes here. First sentence, careful examination motives and actions of rioters, looters and anarchists, as opposed to the peaceful protesters, reveals that much of what is happening in our streets has no true connection to a desire for positive change. You know, that's, that was the classic trope. Children are being taught to hate America, even though we elected Barack Obama twice. This is a sitting uh, state house representative using the... Uh, trope that because Obama existed that racism was over Um, says that schools teach kids America is bad socialism is good and the system is profoundly racist kind of true if you ask me sometimes Um, the system also teaches American exceptionalism is bad The welfare state denies dignity and ownership in society, destroys work ethic, and makes it easy to riot. It's interesting. Breakdown of the family comes with a breakdown of society. A loss of patriotism. Um, There, he he touches on the Colin Kaepernick trope, too. I will love America. I will respect our flag, our military, and our first responders. I believe that kneeling during the national anthem dishonors all of those who have fought and died for this country. And I do not watch or support any team sport that dishonors the flag. Fuck you, 49ers. He didn't say that. That's He supports law enforcement, men and brave men and women in blue. Use, he supports using force to stop the anarchists from occupying our streets and cities and destroying the hard work. Let him meet those folks. Believes that peaceful protest is constitutionally protected, but that riots are unlawful and that they're emboldened by government inaction. Uh, He goes to the uh, what about black-on-black crime trope here. I believe that all lives matter, including those African-Americans who die on the streets of Chicago. So that's all you need to know. Uh, This guy combined with his wife, and uh, he was a uh, chief author of this uh, 
like I said, the bill that looks to punish people who would even consider cutting police budgets and uh, looks to enable terrorists to run over people on the street that they disagree with. That's about it for the register story to go about the drought, I guess you'd call it. Uh, the Mississippi River is experiencing some trouble. Now, let me, I'm sorry, let me jump back. One more thing on Holt. There was also uh, an incident uh, well over, uh, you know, March 2021 now where the Ames school district had had like a, you know, a BLM at school week action and uh, reactionary senators, you know, like the typical Bobby Kaufman and uh, Mr. Holt here, Holly Brink, folks like that, uh, pulled the superintendent into the Capitol for a grilling session. And uh, Holt used the tradition. This was interesting how he, he tried to spin this and, some of us are familiar with how even reactionaries sometimes will cite the name of Dr. Martin Luther King uh, to advocate for, uh, you know, whatever their causes, but, but kind of disregard things that he actually wrote and stood for. And Mr. Holt did the same thing as, as Stephen Holt, Republican Denison grilled district members about what they had done to celebrate bill of rights day, horrible thing, uh, national freedom of religion day, terrible. And National Free Speech Day, also great. It is mo Holt said, it is most interesting to me that the equity and equality that you speak of appears to disregard, disregard character. It focuses instead on race shaming and scapegoating, turning Dr. Martin Luther King's dreams on their head. That's an interesting position. If you've ever read uh, Dr. King's letter from a Birmingham jail, Holt in that statement represents both uh, the wolf that King wrote about in that tale and uh, the moderate liberal and Malcolm X wrote about that, that exact same type. So that's interesting. He's actually uh, co-opting both positions there that uh, King, uh, he, he warned that one was worse than the other, but said that they're both enemies. So it's, it's interesting. He's got both of them now. Amazing work, Stephen. The uh, drought of, I touched on a second ago, uh, the Mississippi river has uh, river levels so low that it's impacting barge transportation for uh, for harvest for harvest season coming up here. Now, if you don't know, and I uh, this also ties into what I talked about uh, days ago with OPEC and oil prices, is that logistics and moving shit, you know, from place point A to point B. Uh, has a, a massive impact on price and, and economics and supply and, and what you're seeing, uh, even at the level of, uh, you know, how much it's costing you to fill up your refrigerator these days or fill up your tank. Uh, anything that interrupts that chain, and that includes things like rail strikes, oil prices, uh, truckers not being able to afford gas to move, move their loads, uh, things like interruptions of travel on the Mississippi River, uh, I like to go to the Quad Cities. I have business and friends there and, you know, weed's legal on the east side of the river. So it's a cool place to hang out if you ever want to get out of Des Moines. It's cheap and whatever. Uh, you ever sit there and just chill on the Mississippi, there's a ton of stuff that's getting moved, like a crawl space, but just like a massive amount of cargo 
going under those bridges and just going off down the river and disappearing into the distance, both north and south. And that's how a lot of uh, things like soybeans and food get moved because it, uh, it's less fuel intensive. It, uh, you know, the, the, on the other end, as far as pick up and drop off on the docks and logistics, the logistics involved in that are easier because they are already, you know, they pre-exist up and down the river. Uh, it's just a good way to move things. And right now, they're running at very low capacity, a significant reduction. And I was going to read specifically what's causing that. Uh, well, well, we'll read the lead here. As Iowa's harvest season cranks to high gear, there is concern over shipping the grain via river. The problem is low water on the southern half of the Mississippi River, along with not enough grain barges available. Over the last week, the amount of available grain barges or capacity was fewer grain barges moved down the river during that period, which is an indicator of tight supply, which then will be passed on to you. There's going to be an increased dam for barges, and then the barge rates will subsequently increase. With less water, that also means less soybeans can go into each barge. The biggest issue right now is the low water which means less bushels of grain can be transported on the waterway. It is common to hook a number of grain barges together to carry more grain. The industry has now reduced the amount of barges being pushed due to low water, making it hard to navigate. Typically, a barge that you'll see can easily be loaded with 50,000 bushels of soybeans. If you have a load that barge, if you have a barge load that's lighter, one foot lighter, that's equivalent of 5,000 bushels of soybeans per barge or 10% less. Uh, because of these shipping issues, some farmers will have to switch marketing strategies. So not good. The channel is narrower and uh, it's impacting capacity, which is uh, gonna spike, spike prices. And uh, that coincides with uh, what's going on with OPEC plus and them cutting oil production in what I think is a fuck you to Dementia Joe in an effort to uh, spike gas prices before the midterms here. So we'll see. None of the four candidates certainly helped themselves uh, in the debate. Uh, I feel more desperate and uh, without hope after watching that. Didn't, uh, didn't see a lot of uh, cause for anything to get excited about for, for, any of the four of those that spoke out during the debates last night. Again, we'll cover the, uh, the governor sparring match that's coming up here fairly surely. I know they're only having one, two, and thank God for that, as I said before. That's it for today. Happy Friday. Have a good weekend. Enjoy your football. I hope your fantasy team wins. I'm on a two-game winning streak. And uh, if anything happens, maybe I'll do this on the weekend. I'm having so much fun with this. Uh, I'll probably pop on for a little shorter time on the weekend. Or I like this app, too. I'm going to start calling into uh, other shows. I saw you. Uh, we're going to take William's. Uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, William is a friend or foe here, but we're going to take you. You've been listening, brother. I appreciate you. Here we go. William, thanks for listening, my friend. What do you got to say? First, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, you're on, brother. What's up? Well, you're singing to the choir here, just so you know. I totally agree with you. Um, 
it's it's a shameful thing. You know, I all the politics you cover to me are reflective of the higher agenda from we hear from uh, the World Economic Forum above them, Bilderberg. It's a rebranding and it's just trickled down uh, NATO expansion, uh, right. Western hegemony, and uh, they abuse the population here. You know, people, it's so crazy, bro, isn't it? We live in a delusion like we have a democracy. Uh, it's inverted totalitarianism, dude, like Chris Hedges, I do, and Sheldon Wallen. I mean, I think they pretty much lay it out. You know, you know where I'm going with that, right? Yeah, you're a well-read guy. Uh, Chris Hedges is uh, is a remarkable writer. Yeah, I still follow him closely. Amen, amen. You know, then of course, I mean, Cornel West. Uh, there's so many good people who've been exposing this. The belief, though, that we can push the Democratic Party to do anything. I, I, I think I tell you honestly, the way I see it is they're both right and left wing, part of the same corrupt bird or dirty. Right and left cheek, part of the same dirty butt. You know what I mean? That's the only way I can see it because K Street, 90% of the lobbyists are foreign lobbyists and they basically own our, the transnational corporations, both profit and nonprofit, Catholic Church, Mormon Church. And they run, they run the government. The idea that we, are, what was it? The Princeton, uh, Gillen's um, Northwestern, page study showed 20-year study basically in thumbnail version your vote doesn't count unless you're in the top percent you know what i mean <laughs> of uh, exactly i've read that you know? study yeah it reflected that the uh, american voter has absolutely zero input into any policies that are implemented by government at any level and that was all yeah. controlled by lobbyists now that that was a fascinating uh, prison study yeah and and but yet of course you know, I know I don't want to start just, I mean, they're good to reference people like, you know, in my opinion, Noam Chomsky, you know, manufacturing consent, because we, you and I can spend a lot of time talking about that, which is clearly evident if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. But, you know, I like referencing the experts because if I, like, you know how it is. You mentioned Chris Hedges, Sheldon, well, we don't have to do the arguments. They did it already. You know what I mean? We just need to say, hey, about these men, you know, or, or John, um, how do you pronounce his name again? Mersheimer regarding the uh, the professor Mersheimer regarding NATO expansion during yeah. war. I mean, what more do you have to say? You know, I mean, I mean, I could say it, but these, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't mean to discount our voice. I'm just saying no. they've all. Yeah, go ahead, bro. Have yeah. you ever faced any uh, pushback or public scorn or been afraid about giving your opinion on, on NATO in the last eight or nine months? Because I've, I've kind of uh, went silent for months and I didn't even know what the what to. I knew what to think, but I, I held my views back. Well, to answer your question, um, I was on fake book for a long time and, and fake checked, you know what I mean? <laughs> By them many times and, and many different groups. Um, and eventually after months, uh, you get a month banned and off, a month banned and off. After three months uh, banned and, and, and just a few extra weeks, I got booted. And I thought, what's the sense of me like putting in a new phone number and trying to work around because I'm not going to change my message, whether it's about what I consider the pandemic that and this Ukraine word that's heralding, I mean, just hurling us right into the World Economic Forum, you know, Great Reset, um, you know, I, 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 what, the transhumanism Internet of Bodies, Yuval Haraldi. I mean, if there's an, an evil on the world that people can see, all they got to do is listen to that man and, 
<laughs> and see where they're taking us all. But clearly, they have to create supply chain shortages. They have to create food shortages and famine. They have to crush the middle class. They have to, which of course they've done. They have to continue this assault on all of us around the world to get that to happen where we own nothing, uh, have no privacy and be happy. I mean, Scooby-Doo, you know what I mean? It's like, it's designed, man. And, and, and I don't know if you're familiar with Albert Pike, the 33 degree Freemason Confederate general who said there'll be three world wars and they, they've planned this out. These Kabbalists have clearly planned this out. And in my opinion, and the playbook is being played out right in front of us. They've told us, you know what I mean? All we have to do is do some research and and listen to what they said. <laughs> Why would we think it's any differently when it starts playing out exactly as they um, portray? I, I, I don't know. I, I think what happens is they want to divide and conquer us. You know, that old saying, all the kings have to do is turn the people with the lanterns against the people with the pitchforks and we fight one another and they, they rule, you know what I mean? And, and that's exactly. kind of like, yeah. And I appreciate Biden your voice. Which class is very effective. Yeah. So, you know, whether it's Biden or, I mean, think about this, like, does anyone really believe the nine 11 story? Jesus Christ. Anyone who knows anything about construction and seeing planes crash into one another, let alone hit the ground, what happens to them, or when a B-25 hit the Empire State Building, what happened? I mean, that's absolute insanity. To, in Building 7, uh, hello, most people, half the country doesn't even know it dropped in a free fall, never struck by a plane. You know what I mean? I mean, whew. Then we got from that the Patriot Act and the Project for a New American Century and Wesley Clark saying we're going to take out uh, seven countries in five years, and guess what? Most of those were in Rothschild uh, bank run. Do you follow me? In fact, after we took over Afghanistan, right? Libya. Uh, you know, now they have a Rothschild bank. I'm, and the other thing is, I'm Italian, right? And when I talk about the Catholic Church, like, do we need? I mean, when I talk about the Catholic Church about the mafia being completely corrupt, the Club of Rome, that doesn't make me a racist or in any way. Um, prejudice. I'm just calling out the facts and I'm Italian. So somehow I've been accused of being a racist when I point out the city of London, you know, which has its own charter, the, you know, the, the, the Rockefeller, Rothschild, Rockefeller, uh, Astor, Warburg, you know, Federal Reserve, you know, you're well read, you know what I'm saying? The First Bank of America, Second Bank, blah, blah, blah. We can cover history. We could talk about the European banksters, you know, and the alphabet soup group, Bank of International Settlements, International Monetary Fund, you know, Council of Foreign Relations, da, 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 da. Aren't they all the same people, you know, working together, meeting at Davos? Hello. You know what I mean? What the hell, man? You know, when are people going to wake up? It's right in front of us. And we have enough people exposing it like you and David Icke for years and uh, Max Blumenthal, the gray zone. And I mean, I know a lot of people aren't on that media, but certainly Facebook is losing all kinds of accounts. And the accounts are that they've lost a tremendous amount in the stock market, people are fleeing that. They don't want to be censored. We don't need the Thought Police, 1984, George Orwell. We don't need Huxley and, you know, Brave New World. We're, we're hurling towards that. I mean, my dad used to sell for Big Farmer for J.B. Cyril for two and a half decades. And he told okay. me when I was a little kid, yep, Cyril, J.B. Cyril. And he sure. told me when I was a little kid, he said, 
He, by the way, he got out of it. He couldn't do it anymore. He opened a bicycle shop, which they foreclosed on during the pandemic. Let's go to that one. But anyway, okay, so getting back to J.B. Cyril, he said as a young kid, he said to me, brother, he said, I was seven or eight because he opened the bike shop when I was 10. He was unemployed for two years looking for something else. So I'm saying seven or eight. It's hard to remember, but I put it to pieces together. He said, Bill, don't let any doctor ever, ever tell you that herbs don't work. Most drugs come from herbs. Aspirin comes from white willow bark. Simple example. He said, I'm nothing but a glorified drug pusher and herbs work. Most doctors I know take opiates, poppy, and smoke marijuana. They 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 use them. He said, don't, don't let them ever tell you any different. So that's where I've gone. I reject the vaccine, the idea of getting vaccinated. I build my immune system. I eliminate the glyphosates from my food that destroys gut bacteria commercially sprayed roundup on all our produce all our grains you want to build a healthy foundation you got to start with what we eat right and do you know what i'm saying bro you want to build a healthy immune system so you don't have to worry about some virus that's no deadlier than the flu 94 percent of which according to the cdc had two or more comorbidities i have three you know what i'm not afraid of it you know what I mean? And I've spray painted with an N95, both oil-based and latex. Let me tell you something. You take that mask off and blow your schnauzola, you got paint coming out of your beak. You know what I'm saying? It does not filter out paint. There is no way in God's green earth it's going to filter out an aerosol virus. That is propaganda from the get-go. And that's what got me booted off Facebook. And guess what? I'm on a roll here. Let me know when you're... <laughs> okay. But according to... The National Institute of Health Public Library, PubMed, Open Access Medical Journal, that anyone can access simply by going PubMed and then coronavirus, zinc, and zinc ionophores. You've all heard of zinc, you know, for, for colds. 2010 study, zinc and zinc ionophores, effective versus coronavirus, arterivirus, RNA viruses, including polio, peer-reviewed. They knew they knew. And if you read that article, what's a zinc ionophore, Bill? Well, oh, you can search that too. Natural zinc ionophores, quercetin, comes from citrus rinds. Natural zinc ionophore, black cumin, black seed. It's called nigella sativa, common spice in Pakistan and India. Why do you need a zinc ionophore? Well, Dr. Zelenko, who, now when I say this, I'm not a Trumper, I'm just saying. I'm not a buy. I'm independent. I don't know anything about this. I, I appreciate your viewpoint. Yeah. Okay. Well, Dr. Zelenko, who Trump consulted, he put together a protocol by studying the NIH website that Fauci should have read and certainly knew about. Okay. And so natural zinc ionophores, I've cited zinc. And then you say, well, how does hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin work? They're antiparasitics that are on the World Health Organization list of essential medicines for decades. Safer than ibuprofen, both of them, if you look at the toxicity profile. Ivermectin, safer than aspirin, the safest pharmaceutical ever produced, used for river blindness and other parasites around the world. Billions and billions of prescriptions. By the way, you know, if you take too much aspirin, you can have an intestinal bleed or thin your blood enough to bleed out. So just because it's sold over the counter doesn't mean you can't OD on it. Do you follow me? You can. Of course. I remember you. So, so this, now let me diverge for a second because this really burns my ass. Okay. 
every drug before it gets uh, approved by the FDA for human use, the FDA is captured, but anyway, to get approved for human use goes through animal trials, right? Starts with rodents, works up to God forbid puppies or who knows what else, and then primates. So of course it works for animals. That's how it got approved. So because ivermectin becomes a Nobel Prize winning drug for humans and animals, suddenly CNN, everybody else is couching it as a veterinary drug. If that isn't twisting the pretzel, I don't know what is. You follow me? Of course it's a veterinary drug. Every drug that gets approved works on animals first before we even try it in human trials. Not that we had that in this experimental um, vaccine. Well, it's, it's not an attenuated virus. It's not a dead-end virus. It's a new platform that's never had the trials it should have had in the duration over at least 10 years. That's typical. And we're the guinea pigs we are the guinea pigs. And here's one for you. Vaccine Journal came out eh, around three weeks ago. It's kind of all a blur, trying to keep up with the news and stay sane. I'm disabled, by the way. I'm home, ex-construction worker, okay. need a couple surgeries. My grandmother used to say, Billy, Billy, play, play, but play piano. Don't play football. I'm like, Grandma, I don't <laughs> want to play piano. You'd be just like Liberace. You have all the pretty women. I said, Grandma, if I was like Liberace, I'd have all the pretty men. I don't want to be like Liberace. Right. I'll play piano, right? So, you know, no prejudice there. It's just not my thing, right? So, anyway, it was, you know, I like to joke a little bit. Otherwise, you just go insane in this world today. Um, and so, that's a lot. The, the, yeah, right. So, so Vaccine Journal, okay? Now, the World Health Organization has a group called the Brighton Coalition. They came out with a study. So you can't poo-poo it because it's the who. You know what I'm saying? World Health Organization, Brighton Coalition. That this study came out, and Moderna vaccine for men 40 and under has a five times higher incident rate of myocarditis than COVID. Now, what they say in the study is that all other age cohorts should be studied for risk-benefit analysis. They haven't done it yet, and we're two years into it? What the hell have they been doing? Not that vaccine journal, but, you know, the, the FDA and CDC and the WHO. What have they been doing? So now, oh, my God. If it's... If that's the case for 40 and under, why are we approving vaccines, not we, they, for children? For something that, as it turns out, Bill Gates said at the World Economic Forum just this year. I'm going to paraphrase in the best of my recollection, and you can find this by searching. I suggest an alternative search engine. I always try Yandex or Brave. I'm not, I find most of what I need that way. Google is so far down in the algorithm, I'm like, oh, I'm tired of searching. You know what I mean? Right. But if I put something like... It's uncensored, pretty much Yandex and uh, Brave. So anyway, so what does Bill Gates say, World Economic Forum? Well, um, coronavirus, uh, we didn't realize, but as it turns out, it's not much different than the flu. Uh, death rates, uh, very low death rate, a little different, meaning less deadly for children, by the way. A little different, but um, mostly affects the elderly with comorbidities. And uh, so, you know... Uh, Mask mandates and vaccine passports don't make any sense. He literally said that. And you don't hear that in the mainstream media, nor do you, or the colleges are still requiring this deadly for 40 and under uh, experimental, ineffective 
jab. I won't even call it a vaccine. Because, uh, um, and, and, and yet, even at the gate says that, not to mention, do we need to talk about vitamin D3 and how if, uh, there was a study in March 2020, April, March, uh, vitamin D3 will, will eliminate nine of 10 deaths for COVID need to act now. Guess where that is? NIH PubMed Open Access Medical Journal. And you can search all these things easily. I just suggest you use an alternative search engine. Otherwise, you'd be searching all day with Google because there's all the other propaganda overlay from the other yeah, studies. Right. Another one, American Journal of Therapeutics. American Journal of Therapeutics, what's called a meta-analysis, where they looked at 18 studies. So they combined the results of 18 studies and then a meta-analysis on ivermectin safe and effective in all stages of COVID. And so you might say, and not to mention, there's studies on ivermectin and cancer being very effective in PubMed as well. But you don't hear about that because ivermectin is, guess what? It's off patent now. It's generic. Can't make big money off of that anymore. They produce it for pennies on the pill. I, uh, I bought into all of it at the time and in the moment and followed all the precautions and I wasn't critical enough myself, I guess, in the moment because I'm hearing all this after the fact about uh, things I should have been more skeptical about. So I don't know what I can, I, I don't know what to believe, but I know, William, why you're banned from Facebook with uh, some of uh, the reading you've done and the questions you're asking. So that's, it's great that we have this, uh, whatever, this platform is cool. It's like old school yes. AM radio where you can say whatever you think, you know, and, uh, you can Absolutely. stimulate my thoughts and make me uh, look into things that I hadn't previously questioned. I'll tell you, I, I, um, I'm a call-in host too. I've done nine episodes under we, okay. uh, under uh, in the People's Corner, and I had a fellow who was uh, supposed to be co-hosting every show and producing while I was doing as many shows a week as I could. And you know, our first show on nine eleven on nine eleven, we had 189 callers. And then wow. I did one on, yeah, I did one on corruption. I'm not on any other platforms. And then I did one on corruption, short, you know, short and sweet, what we're talking about. You know what I mean? And that had 343 or through whatever it got up to call-ins. Um, so I was building, uh, and then I had another one on corruption and the corporate elite uh, corruption that had 123. And unfortunately, this other fellow then said he wanted to start charging me by the hour, but he had he had people contributing. I'm disabled, I need disability housing, and he never accounted for the money. So he oh, obviously no. did a bait and sweep. Yeah, so I had a break with that. And all this, get to this, bro. I've been arrested four times in this state illegally. I have no convictions, never took a plea bargain, never pled out, right? Never admitted probable cause. And if you look me up online, William Bonatati, like Bonita, B-O-N-I-T-A-T-I, you go, man, this guy's a big dude and he's a big jerk. If you read the way they smeared me on the internet. But then if you want to check out criminal record, all you have to do is go to Connecticut Judicial, where I'm from, the corrupted unconstitutional state, which it is. And yeah, unconstitutional corrupted. And check out just I always say this to people, even when I started my 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 hosting, check out Connecticut Judicial Case Lookup under criminal. Use my name as defendant and you'll see a big fat zero. And then you go to my name on the internet, you go, wait a minute. Four in a row, four years, fourteen hundred days of malicious prosecution, and no not they couldn't get one to stick. This sounds like Donzinger. 
Yeah. Remember? Yeah. I yeah. got incarcerated two months pre-trial. And guess what? Never went to trial. Oh, no shit. You this is Yep. Yep. And guess what? Uh, I know this gets meaty, but I'm a victim of pre-sexual assault, probate theft, and embezzlement. Really? What do you mean, Bill? Okay. Department of Justice press release. CPA out of Wallingford, Corrupticut, Joe Castellano, Castellano crime family, Joe Castellano in prison for fraud and Ponzi scheme. That was a court appointed CPA in my father's probate matter. Took four years of me litigating and reporting to authorities. And he, it wasn't just me. Let me say when people are corrupt, it's not just with me. So I, I, I'm not claiming credit for all of this, but this is a fact. So another one, the Catholic Church, Fordham Board of Trustees, when they got corroborating evidence on the priest I reported who has sexually assaulted me and other students at Fordham, they referred me to Detroit Law to talk settlement. Of course, they want a gag order. I told them to stick it where the sun doesn't shine. And then Letitia James sent me a thank you letter for assisting in her investigations. And she's the only AG in this whole country to sue the Catholic Church while the DOJ okay. dropped her case. So these are what you call self-evident situations that are systemic, systematic corruption from law enforcement on down. Let me tell you something. In the CPA matter, no judge, I went through four of them, or executor went to prison with Joe Castellano. Yet none of that happens in probate in a vacuum. And if anyone's familiar with the movie Netflix series, Cares A Lot, I had a corrupt judge when I sued parties, tried to get me involuntarily conserved for person in a state, assigned a guardian and conservator, told me they're going to do Judge Arthur, his first name, a favor, mob talk, and I had to fight that off in probate. Then when I kept litigating and filed lawsuits and started suing parties, as I get every criminal case dismissed, I have civil rights violation lawsuits, and I wrote my own lawsuits. God, here's a secret for everybody. If you're within 125% of the poverty level, you become a self-represented party. Everything's free. Filing fees, service fees, whatever. All you got to do is study the law rule book. Take a shot at it. Worst that can happen, the judge initially can deny your lawsuit, saying it doesn't fit the parameters necessary. You rewrite it. Try again. And I ended up, I filed four lawsuits. I threw, I sued three law firms. When you sue a um, city or town, in other words, when you're trying to go after the cops for an illegal arrest, they're not a separate business entity than the city municipal. Pardon me, I got hiccups, municipality or state. So you write your lawsuits to sue the city and you make the cops defendants. And then you get in there. I fought for a year and a half in civil. I never lost an arguable motion, never lost a suit, but I got arrested. And, oh, here's another one. Remember how Dozinger, you know Dozinger, right? The civil rights attorney uh, for sure. fighting Chevron. Right. He got cited for the quasi-criminal charge of contempt. What do you mean quasi-criminal, Bill? Well, it's not, a, it's not a criminal trial. So if you're in civil and the judge wants to hit you with a criminal charge. It's called quasi-criminal of contempt. Why? Because he wouldn't turn over his laptop and his computer to Chevron lawyers. Well, he has confidentiality uh, clauses he has to uphold for his clients. And that's a fishing expedition. He won the Ecuadorian suit for $9.6 for for Chevron to say, 
that Dozinger and his group bribed the judge? Oh, seriously, like that pollution dump and pump didn't happen? There's plenty of record of it. It's bullshit. Yeah. But they brought him back to America. They put an anklet on him for nearly a thousand days, put him in prison. The judge found him guilty without a trial. Remember that one? Now he's in the appellates trying to get a turnover. He's got he lost his law license. All right, fighting. This is America. We do not have a government of by and for the people. It is captured by corporate predatory capitalism masquerading as a duopoly, but it's really not. I, I contend it's not a, even a duopoly. Do you follow me? But yes. getting back to my matter, and I know I'm throwing a lot at you. It may be overwhelming. I usually hear that from people, but you know, I'm, there's a lot here. I'm trying to compress. In, in, in my case, I've never in civil been cited for a quasi-criminal charge of anything, contempt, perjury, nor have I had a judge throw one of my cases out claiming it was frivolous or what's called vexatious and force me to pay fees of opposing counsel. Never happened. Yet I got arrested in the courthouse in the clerk's office, minding my own business, filling out subpoena requests for an upcoming hearing in other words, if you're a licensed attorney, you don't have to fill out subpoena requests because you're an officer of the court. But if you're one of us and you want to jam up the courts, fight in housing, fight in probate, fight in civil, if you want to subpoena somebody, you, you have to fill out a subpoena request. You just can't, you know, they won't let a layperson subpoena somebody without the judge approving it. And I've never had a subpoena request denied. So I've never been cited for a quasi-criminal charge, yet I get arrested in the clerk's office just filling out subpoena requests, completely false arrests. Guess what they did on that one? Every time they arrested me, they offered me eventually what's called a nolly. It's a case. They were offering you a nolly. And my public defenders are always corrupt. They're supposed to advocate for me, expose the corruption. My emails are me always exposing corruption. They're not an attempt to harass anybody. In other words... You know, the simplest allegory is if you can shoot someone, it doesn't mean you murdered them. You know what I'm getting at. So if you're sending emails and you're right citing the crimes, you have no intent to harass anybody. There's no mindset to harass anybody. There's no actions that's harassing in nature. To arrest me for harassment is a class D felony on the cops of obstruction. Right. Yet I have three harassment arrests, none of which stuck. One, the other way they'll get you, this is what the American system does. You'll get bullshit charges, right? Like harassment, which they can't prove, um, which was why we never went to trial. And I got every case dropped eventually. I reject the nollies because they're a form of plea bargain. What happens is, say you get arrested, brother, and four months into the arrest, the state wants to dismiss it because all the corroborating material evidence, i.e. the emails or voicemails, are you complaining about the abusers? like the Catholic Church or the probate courts or anything else I'm citing. Okay, so they got nothing other than a false hearsay claim that's a false police report. So they want to offer you a nolly. So four months into it, I had that offered to me. And I said, well, you know what? Let me ask Mr. Google what that is since I don't go to law school because I don't trust my public defenders. They're just agents for Big Brother, let me tell you. They, they are not acting in your behalf. 94% of the people in prison never had a trial. That includes high felonies. Public defenders for misdemeanors, first offenses, never, ever go to trial. They are always pled out. When they got nothing, they'll offer you a nolly. But I knew I wasn't going to stop being an activist and doing what I do. The problem with a nolly is it hangs over you for 13 months. 
And if you do the same thing that they arrested you for the first time, you get two nollies, they'll bring two charges against you when they bring you back. And then if you do another one in eight, in the 13-month period, three-strike rule, you're in prison. So by default, you can end up in prison just being an activist. And if you want to call it civil disobedience, it's really not because I've never broken a law. There's no yeah. probable cause to arrest me. I have a right to, as a, my First Amendment right, they're suppressing our First Amendment rights to fight back against this tyranny. And that's a violation of our civil rights. They're, they're, they're abusing uh, what's called material aspects, uniform evidence rules, right? Federal evidence rules, which apply in state court, and I get meaty here, the doctrine of completeness. In other words, say you put it on an email to somebody and they make a claim you're harassing them. Well, what's the corroborating evidence? What does it say? According to the doctrine of completeness, anything that is relevant to the matter at hand can be brought in to put it into context. That's a federal evidence rule. So they violate this. They just poop all over us, right? I want to use another word, but I'm going to stay polite. They just poop all over us. And so then you're trespassing a breach of peace. Really prove it. I mean, give me a freaking break. That these, when you start seeing these charges add up like this on somebody and nothing ever sticks, you got to say, this guy's poking the bear, big brother, not the Russian bear. Do you follow me? And saying yeah. enough, you know, enough. I'm standing up. I'm going to out all of you and I will not. So here's what they do. They can't go to trial. And they know once you start talking to them like this, they know you're not dumb. And I said, I'm going to sue all you people and you're going to drop this charge. Well, they, they won't do it because that opens them wide open for a lawsuit. If they drop the charge completely, now they're, they're completely vulnerable for civil federal uh, subject matter jurisdiction, for what's called a civil rights violation. I can give you the name of the 42 USC 1983 uh, lawsuit. Okay. And so... You're like, mm, you can file that in state court, by the way, and then uh, fight it there, too, which is where I started. I did that to learn what their defenses were and, and what their game they're going to play. So that then when I took it to federal, I already knew their playbook. Do you follow me? And so anyway, I was, I'm jumping around. But the point I'm trying to make is, so I said to my public pretenders, get real. You don't have probable cause, and I'm not taking a nolly you know what, let's go to trial and expose all this. Well, they can't do that. So what they do is they have you meet with a forensic team of experts. What? Yeah, shrinks. They call it Department of Mental Health Addictive Services. Every state has it. The acronym is DEMAS, Department of Mental Health Addictive Services. I say it stands for diabolical, medical malpracticing, Hippocratic oath violating, acrimonious, asinine shrinks, but they're professionals. Okay. Okay. And what they claim is you're nuts. You can't assist your public defender because you're delusional and bipolar. Oh, there's no nothing going on between the courts and the church or the courts and the probate courts and the legislature. You know, this isn't corporate capture. The, the American Bar Association doesn't rule the legislature. Most of those legislators are lawyers. Right. Obama, Michelle Obama, uh, Lindsey Graham, for example. Uh, 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 what's her name? Kamala Harris. They're all attorneys. OK, so when they're in the system, they've all gone to the you know, it's a big club, like George Carlin said, you know, and we're not in it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love that right? joke. Right. 
It's great. So what happens is you're like, hey, I didn't go to Harvard or Yale. I did go to Fordham for a year, by the way, and then transferred to URI. Got a degree in resource economics, but it's not, you know, a Fordham. It's not a, you know, it's not a Harvard or a Yale. And I didn't go to law school. So the bottom line yeah. is that, yeah, good for me, right? So, so what happens there is, so they're like, oh, he's he he needs to go to jail diversion program to be rehabilitated, to be restored to competency to go to trial, which they already offered me a nolly on. Remember, they have no intention to ever go to trial, and now you're caught in the system. Hang on, I can turn off my other phone is alarm. So now you're caught in the system, right? Now, 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 you are stuck if you don't attend the jail diversion, you go straight to DOC, Department of Corrections, you go to jail. So the whole thing is a capture. Do you follow me? And so now you're forced once a week to meet with a competency model jail diversion program for a charge they never went or never going to go to trial and they never did. So you know this is not going to end up in a trial. So you can stand your ground and saying, no, I'm not taking your stupid nolly because I'm not stopping and you need to drop the charge. So eventually they they conclude they drop the charge claiming you're irrestorable to competency. This is exactly what they did. The third arrest, when I got arrested in the courthouse, they had me see a Yale shrink. And of course, I laid it out for him and uh, his uh, his assistant. And uh, they, then you go to court. And then the guy testifies with your public defender doing nothing to create an affirmative defense. The Yale professor testifies, well, uh, you know, he's not competent to go to trial. They already offered me a nolly, but um, possibly restorable. They incarcerated me two months in a state run psych ward called Middletown, Connecticut in 2017 to allegedly restore me to competency to go to trials, which we never had. And uh, that's a full max lockdown psych ward where murderers, rapists, arsons are who were, you know, are criminally insane. And I'm there in a class C misdemeanor that they can never prove. And they already offered me a nolly on. And the agenda there was once again, <clears throat> just like six months before, I had a corrupt judge and get me involuntarily conserved. Because once I get you involuntarily conserved, they take away all your rights. You You can't litigate. That's in the hands of the guardian or conservative. Sure. You can't schedule your health appointments while they railroad you and get you medicated. You can't do anything. You're at the total behest, just like Britney Spears was, for example, and so, or cares a lot, the Netflix film uh, on this. So so while I'm in Whiting, I figured, hey, bro, this is one who flew over the cuckoo's nest. Two months of free food. You get two months, no shortage. No shorter term. And I'm like, this will be interesting. I'm disabled. I'm single. Let me make the best of it, you know? And so I'm in there and I'm talking to people and I'm joking around. Here's what you have to do if you ever get put in that situation. First of all, if you know you're getting railroaded and read the probate law rule book for conservators like I did six months before. So you know you don't have to fear because they're going to have to bring you to probate court to get you involuntarily conserved. And then once you've read the rule book, now you know how to defend yourself. Do you follow me? It's all about knowledge is power. You have knowledge, you have leverage. It's all about leverage. So the other thing I like to recommend to people, if you get arrested, there's something called the crime scene investigation, CSI. We've all heard that before. Uh, guidelines commissioned by the Department of Justice. It's a PDF available online, uh, 2009. So commissioned by the DOJ, 
which is a, are the basics that the DOJ reform guidelines built on. And so if you've been illegally arrested, it's going to be baked in that that arrest violates the guidelines. Do you follow me? Because you just read the police report and go, ah, yeah, right. This violates the guidelines this way, that way, which I always pointed out to my public pretenders, which is grounds for dismissal. But they wouldn't do the dismissal for the reasons I described. So do I sound incompetent? Jesus, I'm citing, I have a degree in resource economics. My history, work history, was worked on federal Superfund sites operating heavy equipment with security clearances. I didn't even have a parking ticket or a traffic ticket on my record, let alone an arrest until all this started. You see? So there's no history of criminal activity. And how does Bill get arrested? Who's having him arrested? Corrupt attorneys, Christian Counseling Center of St. Paul's Church. Gee, what was I talking about in counseling? What's in my emails? The crimes of the church. Do you follow me? Yeah. Um, right. You, you, by the way, if you're in counseling, just so you know, you have client rights. Of course. Yeah. Everyone ever hear of the Hippocratic Oath? For them to violate those rights, I, I'm in secular counseling. I say secular, non-church counseling. I've been... My original abuse was my own parents, by the way. That's why I'm such an advocate for the underdog. I don't need to go into details. You can imagine what I'm talking about. So that's why I'm an advocate. And so the priest's sexual assault was simply that. It was a groping, which is a class D felony according to Connecticut crime statutes. And that's all been vetted already. Okay. So the, the point I'm trying and the point I'm trying to get to is CSI guidelines. If you have an illegal arrest, insist if you're in need a public defender insist they provide you with all incident and police reports so you can read it and come read the csi guidelines which is only like 197 pages sounds like a lot but it's not because when you're getting screwed you want knowledge you know what i mean you want to fight if you're like me you you dig you get into the news you find the alternative platforms this is your life so these are excellent tools people can use and it's going to be baked in that police report violates the csi guidelines somehow and every four arrests did i won't go into detail that's how i got them dropped okay so csi guidelines then you have the public defender's rulebook for the indigent in every state they're supposed to zealously truthfully and loyally represent us i.e file motions for disclosure which the prosecutors are required to produce all what's called exculpatory or evidence that would exonerate you and all in allegedly inculpatory evidence that would impeach you well guess what the good cops there's always in my case good cops because there's a lot of good cops who aren't catholic who want the church held accountable do you follow me? There's a lot of good cops who know the probate courts are corrupt and wouldn't want to have their family estate, you know, ripped off. Do you follow what I'm saying? Or, or see their parents forced into a guarding conservatorship situation by some corrupt attorney that the court assigns. You see, because then they start rating your account. You've got the executor, you've got the guardian, you've got the conservator, and they're bleeding your account. They're parasites. You know, there's an old saying, goes like this. What's the difference between a lawyer and a prostitute? The lawyer, I'm sorry, the prostitute will stop screwing you when you're dead. <laughs> you get lawyers involved, you got a sibling dispute on, on, on a probate, deceased uh, estate, do whatever you can to work that out with your sibling, because once they get the three, uh, 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 I don't know, thieves involved, they all bill the account out at, at their $350 an hour. 
And the next thing you know, there goes your money. You see what I'm saying? That's how they work. So, you know, this is a racketeering act, you know, in my oh, opinion. Yeah. Not to work in the uh, insurance claim industry. So, yeah, that's it gets pretty nasty. I got to roll, my man. It's about past right. noon. I uh, promise my family. Are you still hosting the show? I'll, uh, I want to tune into your stuff. What's going on with yeah, you? Yeah, I am. Um, it's called, I had to change the name because the guy who was supposed to do all the goods that didn't and didn't account right. for anything. So so um, it is It is now, I messed with the name a little bit. Um, Italiano Clydesdale. I'm too big <laughs> to be a stallion. Italiano Clydesdale, uh, Meathead's Corner. Meathead's corner. All right. I'll follow your uh, your account here, and I'll uh, I'll tune in. I'll I'll shout you a holler next time you're on live. Very good. And I I did make one and and uh, in the people's corner on how I got four criminal cases dropped and basically what you can do. So um, okay. just you know, tell folks that I always tell folks that you contribute to it if you like, but I won't be seeing any of the proceeds just so they know that's ended, but the information's there and it's published. So, yeah, you know, it's, I'll push it's that. a lot of our, uh, my shows kind of community related. A lot of us, uh, a lot of my friends and hundreds of people in our city faced uh, unjust arrest in the last uh, two years where that some of that info you just shared with us would have been helpful. So I'm going to, I'm going to listen to that again and uh, take it to heart. I appreciate you sharing. Yeah, I look forward to talking to you again. Either you call into my show, vice versa. We can when you have more time, you know. Of God course. bless you, brother. Yes, sir. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you calling, sir. Thank you. Bye now. Appreciate you. Yeah. Good to hear from William in Connecticut there. I'm gonna uh I'm gonna wrap it up. Sorry, William, I'm muting you. There you go. I'm figuring this out still. But yeah, no, that was interesting stuff. I know uh, two things William brought up, Fasher Consent. And if you've ever read that uh, book by Chomsky or, or familiar with the concept, it kind of becomes hard to see the mainstream media through any other lens. And the essence of it is that uh, one of the ideas of the media is to uh, present, for example, the debate between Axne and Nunn as, uh, you know, two diametrically opposed people who are fighting for different causes. When when you're familiar with manufactured consent, you can watch that debate last night and uh, they they present identical solutions to uh, systematic issues and you can't unsee it. Uh, second thing he said, yeah, a lot of interesting stuff there about, uh, I know I've heard a lot of questions and talk about how do we uh, counter sue uh, specific figures in the city and police officers after uh, kind of some of the terror they've unleashed on activists in the city for the last two years. And William uh, kind of touched on a lot of that. I'm going to look into some of those concepts. It would be interesting. Uh, I know there's a, there's a situation right now in my city and William, you can help me with this. I know you're still listening uh, where a sitting council member who represents kind of a anti-police voice in Des Moines is being sued by the police department and is countersuing them and is in the funny position where she is in a position to vote against what lawyers will be hired to prosecute her. So it's kind of a fascinating contradiction. But uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'm going to scope out his content and uh, see if there's anything I can apply to our, to our local situation here. That's all for today. Like I was saying, uh, 
I'll jump on on the weekend if anything comes up. I appreciate the uh, the feedback. It's good to hear from uh, from people on the East Coast and uh, find a common ground. Not a whole lot uh, I can think of politics-wise that's coming up this weekend that would make me jump in. Uh, I got football on my mind, folks, honestly, so I'm going to kind of uh, kick back and do that for the rest of the uh, the weekend here. Go Cougars. <laughs> Thank you.